Does anyone hate or just, just really not like those trust exercises? I, I wouldn't have done any of that stuff. I don't, I don't trust people enough to, for them to they're carry me or catch me. I would never have, oh, I just make my stomach go in, in loops. But anyway, they did well. So we're gonna, uh, we're, we're, we are going to go back to our study in First Peter in a couple of weeks. There's just a few things that I, I would like us to look at over this Sunday and, and next Sunday as well, I think. Um, and and this, this Sunday, we're going to spend some time in, in Mark's Gospel. I'm looking at chapter 4, verse 35 to 41, and we're thinking about the peace for the storm. Uh, and this really, uh, as I've been away on holiday um, in, in the summer, and as I was preparing um, to kind of, as to begin this new season as, as church, um, this really was a word I felt the Lord lay in my heart for us as a congregation. And I really do feel that it's a word and season for us, uh, where we're going to go and, and probably what's ahead of us a wee bit as well. Uh, and we're going to be thinking about peace for the storm. And, and many of us will have heard this passage from Mark's gospel. Many of us will have heard sermons on it. I, I preached on, on Jesus uh, stilling the, the storm. Uh, I think it was in Luke's gospel. Uh, on the day I was here preaching a soul nominee. If you can remember that sermon, well done. Uh, that's nearly four years, just over four years ago. Can you believe that? But this morning, I want us to look at it from a bit of a different perspective. And I want us to, to focus on the example of Christ in the midst of this storm. So let's read God's word together. We're going to read from Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to the end of the chapter, verse 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said, Then why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. We trust that God will bless the reading of his holy word. Jesus, just before the passage we've read here, has been teaching parables. At the beginning of Mark's gospel, we read that Jesus had got into a boat. It's often how he would teach the crowd. The boat would have been brought out from the shore a wee bit so that more of the crowd could see him. And he's been teaching the crowd about um, the kingdom of, of God. And, and he did this through uh, parables. And, and many of us will have heard these parables, parable of the mustard seed, the, the, the parable of the, the seed uh, growing, uh, the, uh, the purpose of the parables, the parable of the sower. Many of us will know these things. And he was teaching about the kingdom of God. And, and what he was teaching them is about how the kingdom of God was breaking into their lives, how, how God's kingdom was becoming a reality in their present. And just before verse 35, we read that Jesus would speak to the crowd in parables, uh, but he would explain them to his disciples. And, and isn't that funny that, that that's just what we have right before they go through this storm? And you think, you know, typical men, they obviously weren't listening to what Jesus was saying. They was going in one ear and out the other, or they were, it looked like they were paying attention because actually... 
if they've been properly listening and, and, and if, if they were really taking notice of who Jesus was, would their response have been different to the storm that they were in here? And I think Jesus probably expected more from them because he asked them this question, do you still have no faith? You might think it's a bit of a harsh question. The boat was filling up with water. Do you know when Jesus is lying asleep in the, in the boat? But after Jesus has finished teaching the crowd, they decide, Jesus decides in verse 35, evening had come, he was tired after a long day's teaching and preaching. And he says, let us go across to the other side. Let us go across to the other side. And as they do this, as they are heading across to the other side, this storm arose. The lake that they're on was the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee was, uh, is 13 miles long. It's seven miles wide. And they would have been in a small kind of fishing vessel. There's probably a few, a few of them, um, of these boats, um, because they, they weren't the biggest of boats. And there was obviously a, a, the disciples and Jesus there. And as the, they're going across uh, this, this lake, which is 13 miles long and seven miles wide, the storm arises. Now, the, the lake is, is 690 feet below sea level. It is the lowest body of fresh water on earth. And it was and still is famous for sudden squalls. And basically what it's famous for is, is localized storms arising. And it feels like they've just come out of nowhere. And this was due to the lake being surrounded by mountains. It's, so, uh, it's really far below sea level and it's got uh, mountains all around it. And, and these steep hills around it make it vulnerable to high winds. As cooler air comes down from the north and would go down the mountainside, the cool air would meet the, the warm air of the lake. And it, what it did was it created these turbulent winds and, and turbulent conditions um, around the sea, around the Sea of Galilee. And in 1992, there was actually one of these kind of sudden squalls, a localized storm that took place in 1992. And, and what happened was there was waves uh, about 10 foot tall on the Sea of Galilee. And the waves were so big that it actually damaged and caused flooding in Tiberias, which is a city near the Sea of Galilee. So this isn't just a little bit choppy, right? This is a big storm. Growing up in an island, man, I've been in some storms and there's been times I felt we're not going to make it. There was one time I was on the boat actually that the, the cars down in the car deck got damaged because they were getting tossed about so much. They were banging into each other. And I actually on that occasion phoned my mum just saying that I was, I was scared. And she said, don't worry, just go to sleep. Maybe she was thinking of this passage, I don't know. That's my mum's answer to most things. Have an early night and you'll be fine in the morning. I'm sorry mum if you're listening this morning. So this isn't just a little bit choppy. This is, you know, this is a big, big storm. We have to remember as well that these are experienced fishermen. They would have been in predicaments. They would have been in, on the sea when storms arose. And we see and we hear the fear in their voices. The question they asked Jesus in verse 38, and this just shows us the depths of their fear. And actually... What they, what they were thinking was happening. Do you not care that we are perishing? They thought that they were dying. They thought that they were going to die. 
How do you react to the storms in your life? You might not have been on water with waves 10 foot tall or higher, but each one of us have been through, are going through, or we will go through some sort of storm in our life. It might be home stress, it might be work stress, it might be health stress, it might be church stress, it might be family stress. But every one of us has been through a storm in our lives. How do you react when storms come and they might feel like a sudden squall out of nowhere? It's been plain sailing, things are going fine, and then boom, you feel like you're perishing. You don't know whether you're going to be able to put that foot one step in the other or am I going to be able to carry on here? Man, things are hard. Where do you take your strength from? What is your starting position when you go through storms in life? Because where we start will determine where we finish. Where we start will determine where we finish. We see the disciples here. They are basing everything on what they could see around them. The experience that they were going through. And if we build our lives on all that's around us, we wouldn't know whether we're coming or whether we're going. Because you know what? Life is good one day. The next man, it feels like I can't carry on. And then it's good the next week. And then all of a sudden that storm comes back. And if we're basing our lives upon the things and the people, our jobs, the government around us, we will not know whether we're coming or whether we are going. The storms are painful. The storms are a nuisance. The storms are an inconvenience. They're difficult. They're costly. They're upsetting. But they're part of this life. We all go through storms. So how do you react to the storms in your life? It is a stretching of our faith that can only happen in the storm. Isn't it interesting that when David the psalmist, when he's writing Psalm 23, that the only place that he talks about the rod and the staff are in the valley of the shadow of death. There's a stretching of our faith that can only happen in the storms in this life. When a sword is forged, it needs to go into fire. There's a refining that takes place. It's why the Apostle Paul, and I still don't fully understand how someone can say this. It's why the Apostle Paul in, in, in Romans 5 says that we rejoice in our sufferings. Isn't that such a strange turn of phrase? Who rejoices in their sufferings? Christians, we rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame because we have God's love in our hearts. God strengthens our faith through the trials and storms in our lives. In this boat trip, the disciples were being stretched. 
They have just heard some amazing teaching from Jesus. They had heard Jesus declare awesome, awesome truth. But it was only through this boat journey and through this storm that they were about to have who Jesus was demonstrated to them. They'd heard the wonderful teaching. But it was in this boat journey as the storm arose, as the waves were crashing in, as the boat was filling up, as they thought they were perishing. It was in the midst of this storm that they were going to catch a glimpse of who Jesus really is. But the disciples allowed their surroundings. They allowed the, the chaos, the wind, the waves, the rain, the boat filling up. They allowed their surroundings to shape how they responded to the storm that they were in. And we see that Jesus expected something different of them because the question Jesus asks them, I think it's in verse 40, or do you still not have any faith? Why do you, have you still no faith, Jesus asked. And I don't think it's because that the disciples woke Jesus up and asked him to deal with us. That's not why Jesus asked that question, I don't believe. I think Jesus asked that question because of the way they spoke to Jesus. Do you not care that we're perishing? Of course he cares. That's why he came. So that no one would perish. That all would have everlasting life. And I believe, and it doesn't say this here, but I truly believe that if the disciples said, Jesus, there's a really bad storm here. Can you, we know that who you are, but can you sort this out for us? Jesus is going, peace be still. But the question they asked Jesus is, do you not care we're perishing? They didn't know who they were speaking to. They allowed what was going on around them to shape their response. Rather than the words Jesus spoke, in verse 35, let us go across to the other side. Do you hear the certainty in the voice and word of God there? Let us go across. We might hit storms, but we're going to make it. We're going to reach it. We're going to get to the other side. Let's go across, Jesus said. Rather than trusting in what Jesus had said to them. They got distracted from the word of Christ and focused on the storms. Or isn't that so easy to do though? I'm not giving the disciples a hard time here. I do it. I do it all the time. I get distracted by all these chaos and troubles and trials and I forget and I come to Christ and I say, God, do you care what's going on? Rather than trusting in the certain and sure hope that we have in Jesus. Let's go across to the other side, Jesus said. They should have rested in that, but they allowed the storm to raise up fear in their life rather than letting the word of Jesus stir up faith in their hearts. There's another phrase that Jesus spoke of at another point in his life, and I've been thinking about it a lot over these last few weeks. Um, when Jesus was on the cross, there was two thieves on either side, a thief on either side of him. And 
One was mocking and the other said, remember me, remember me. And what is it that Jesus said to him? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. I wonder as the thief hung on the cross, the guilt of all he'd done, all the wrongdoings, the crimes, the, the, the awful things that he had done to get him to that point in his life. To then have, as Alistair Begg speaks of when he's speaking about this beautiful bit of scripture, the man in the middle say to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. As Jesus spoke to him, the assurance and the certainty, thief, I know it might not look like good things are going to happen to you right now. You're nailed to a cross you, you're feeling your life drain away from you. There's, there's awful things that you've done and, and it looks like, man, this is the end of the road. But I'm telling you, thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. I wondered as the thief was hanging there with his life draining away, struggling to breathe. And then as he lifted himself up, the pain and the excruciating pain going through his feet with the nails being put in down there as he tried to come up for a gasp of breath. As he was going through that, as his life was slipping away, he said, he's going He's going to remember me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to make it. I'm going to get, it doesn't look like it right now. But he said, he's going to remember me. And today I'm going to be with him. Friends, it's so easy for us to be distracted by the storms and the chaos and the hurt that surrounds us. But don't respond with fear to the storms that are there. But trust in the certain and sure word of Christ. Let us go across to the other side. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Friends, the truth and certainty of God cuts through all of our fears. It cuts through all of our chaos. All our trials, all our tribulations. And it's why we can build our life upon a rock. Knowing that when the rains come, because they do, that the rock we've built ourselves upon, the rock we've built our lives upon, it's going to stand firm. Because he's the one who changeth not. You know, it's one thing to know Bible verses. It's good to know Bible verses, but it's one thing to know Bible verses. It's another thing to act and live biblically. Many of us will know Bible verses, but do we act and live biblically? Storms happen. Life is full of them. But what can we learn from the example of Christ here? Isn't it just incredible that as all this chaos is going on, that Jesus is asleep in the middle of the... Do you know what this makes me think of? There's a verse in the Bible, and it might be in a psalm, I can't really remember. But I know it says that, that God gives sleep to his beloved. That's what this makes me think of. That in the midst of all this, that God is giving sleep to his beloved. This is my beloved son who I am well pleased God gives sleep to his beloved. And Jesus here is sleeping in the middle of a storm. And we see two reactions to the storm. We see one of faith and we see one of fear. The call to Jesus, but wait, is he, he is asleep. 
And I think in this passage of Scripture, we see the simplicity, uh, the, the simple um, depths of Jesus' humanity, where he's tired after preaching and teaching to the large crowds all day, and we see that Jesus needed to sleep. He needed to recuperate and get his energy back. But we also see the heights and the glory and splendor of his divinity as he wakes and he speaks to the storms and he says, Peace, be still. And what is it they say? Jesus, don't you care? Don't you see what's happening, Jesus? Don't you see me, Lord, struggling here? Don't you see the pain and the hurt in my heart? Don't you see that I cry myself to sleep at night? Don't you see me worrying about whether I can pay this month's energy bill or whether I'm going to have to choose to heat or to eat? Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. Don't you care? Don't you see the fear that this presbytery planning malarkey is bringing to me and I don't know what's going to happen Sunday by Sunday? God, don't you see? Don't you care? Don't you see me in my grief and my doubt and my hardships and my troubles? Lord, don't you see? Don't you care? He says, yes, I see you. And I don't just see you, but I'm with you. And to that, you know, I think God would say to that question, my dear child, don't you know I command my angels concerning you? I fight for you. I protect you. I provide for you. I cover you. I restore you. I was the word made flesh for you. I've died for you. I rose again for you. I ascended to the right hand of the Father for you. I've gone to prepare a place for you. I'm coming back for you. I wouldn't leave you nor forsake you. I love you. And there's nothing that you go through in this life that can ever separate you from my love. Not even death. Don't you know that, God says? Oswald Chamber once said that Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. I heard a story once that the one night there was a, a house that, that caught fire and a, a young boy was forced to flee to the roof to try and escape the flames. And his father had managed to get out the, the door uh, and the father standing in the garden and he's shouting to the boy, jump and I'll catch you. He knew the boy had to jump to save his life. The flames were going to engulf him. All the boy could see, though, was the flames and the smoke and, and blackness. And as you can imagine, the, the wee boy was scared for his life. And he's hearing his dad shout, jump, I'm going to catch you. And the father kept yelling, you have to jump, I'm going to catch you. But the boy protested, daddy, I can't see you. All I can see is the smoke. All I can see is the flames. All I can see is the blackness. And the father replied, but I can see you and that's all that matters. The father sees you this morning. You might feel like you can't see him, but he sees you. 
God has a plan for you, and every bump in the road is part of that plan. And he's shaping you, and he's forming you to be who he's called you and made you to be. Andrew Bonner, the great Scottish preacher in the 1800s, when he was preaching on this passage, um, as he was preparing, he said that he visualized um, the, the scenario of what was going on here and the disciples, you know, fearing for their lives and, and shouting at Jesus, you know, and their voice would have to shout because if you've been in a storm, you know it's loud. They shout, they're shouting at Jesus, don't you care? Don't you see what's happening? And the angels would be looking at this and seeing the fear in the disciples' hearts and, and one angel turning to another. Why are they so afraid? Don't they know that Jesus is in the boat with them? Friends, don't you know that Jesus is in the boat? And look at Christ's example. What is he doing here? Resting. Even in the storm, we can rest. Resting in the love of the Father. Resting in the will of the Father. Resting in the assurance of the Father. Friends, we can learn to rest through the storms. Even in this crazy, scary storm that the disciples are going through. Look where the peace is. The peace is in Christ. Jesus models the kingdom of God to the face of this storm. Jesus shows us what it's like, what it looks like to live a, a life utterly submitted to the Father. Look at the contrast in the disciples and Jesus. They are fearful. He is resting. I think we can all learn from Jesus and I think we all need to learn from Jesus as his example here. How do you react to the storms in your life? I'll be honest, I often react like the disciples. I start going crazy. So often many of us react to fear with fear, to worry with worry, to anxiety with anxiety. That's exactly what the disciples were doing here. But look at Jesus. In the midst of the fear of the storm, he reacts as a person of peace. So friends, in the midst of the storm, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, to be part of his kingdom? Well, it means that we need to radiate the kingdom of God's values, even in the valleys, even in the darkest nights. And do you know, as we do that, do you know, we've all seen people who, you know, that we would say that they're, oh, they're really mature Christians, or they, they are really, they've got a really close walk with the Lord. And you know, it's just nothing seems to trouble them. It doesn't matter what happens to them. They always just seem to be so peaceful. They are displaying the peace of Christ to the storm. And how do we do that? Well, it starts by knowing whose we are. It starts by know us knowing who it is that we serve who it is we worship, whose presence it is that we're in in this very moment. And trusting in his word, even though it might look like they weren't going to reach the other side, trusting that Jesus has said, 
Let us go to the other side. That Jesus has said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Live and emanate the peace of God, even in the midst of the storm. Let the peace of God reign and rule in your heart. That is what the Apostle Paul says. And that isn't just for the mountaintop. That's for the valleys as well. Let the peace of God reign and rule in your heart. And look what happens. Jesus awakes and he says to the storm, peace, be still. And in verse 41, the disciples were filled with a great fear. <laughs> they were already fearful for their lives, but this is a different type of fear here. Who then is this? They wouldn't have seen this if they hadn't gone through the storm. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus on numerous occasions has proclaimed that he is God. But here he demonstrates to the disciples who he is. The prophets spoke about the Messiah coming, that he would be God. The gospel writers tell us that he is God. And Jesus here shows that he is God by showing that even nature, even the natural order has to submit to him. The wind and the waves obey him. Isn't that mind-blowing? And do you know, I think the greatest part of this miracle here is, it's not that the, the wind died down, it, it, it's that Jesus managed, if you've, if you've seen a storm, it doesn't matter if it's been windy, um, three days ago, the swell is still awful. But such is the power that Jesus spoke, the sea went flat calm. He's showing them that I'm not just a good teacher or some sort of miracle worker or healer, I'm showing you disciples that I am God, even the wind and the waves obey me. And that revelation, friends, changes everything. When we realize that Jesus isn't just some sort of nice rabbi or some sort of good teacher or moral person, but he is God. That changes everything. Like C.T. Studd said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. You might be surrounded by chaos and suffering, but beloved of Christ, remember whose you are and who you are filled with, the Holy Spirit. As we draw our thoughts to a close this morning, friends, I, I wanted to preach this sermon. and I, I said I, I really did believe it's a word in season for where we're about to go as a church. I, I, I have a feeling that we're going to go into some bumpy and uncertain times over the next number of months with all this presbytery planning and the uncertainty that it brings a Gave a letter out a few months ago and hopefully in the next few while I'll be able to kind of give you an update of where things are. But I, I'll be honest with you, I think it's going to be difficult. I think there's going to be a bit of uncertainty around Glasgow Presbytery, around the Church of Scotland and, and all these things. And all that can do is it, it, it can cause us to be like the disciples that we respond to. We respond to the fear and uncertainty with fear and uncertainty. But that's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Let us, even in the midst of all this uncertainty, rest in Jesus, rest in his love, rest in his glory, rest in his grace. And I might not know what the future of this congregation or this presbytery will look like, but I do know with certainty the future of God's church and what it's going to look like. And how could I possibly say that? Well, 
God's told us what the future of his bride is going to be like. Jesus said, let us go across to the other side. This is what God's word says to the bride of Christ this morning. In Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Friends, the next months, weeks, years are filled with uncertainty. But that is the hope for the bride of Christ. He is making all things new. And you are his beloved and he loves you. Friends, let us be a people of peace in the midst of the storms that we go through in this life. Trusting him and standing on his word. And I leave you with a sweep. A chorus that I came across this week. Trust him when dark doubts assail thee. Trust him when thy strength is small. Trust him when to simply trust him seems the hardest thing of all. Trust him, he is ever faithful. Trust him, for his will is best. Trust him, for the heart of Jesus is the only place to rest. Let's pray. Lord, we trust you. And we know that that is easier said than done. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, we want to be a people of peace. Even in the midst of the storms of this life, Lord, help us to respond with faith rather than fear. Lord, we know that difficult days are ahead because that's just part of life. But I thank you for the hope and the sure and certain hope that we have as your bride, that you are preparing a place for us and your dwelling place will be with your people and you will wipe away every tear There'll be no more sadness, no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering. Lord, help us believe and trust in the word of Jesus. Let us go across to the other side. Father, we love you. Fill us afresh this morning with your love, we pray. For we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.